0: I'm going to taste it. Yeah, big flavor here, man. This band could be your food.
1: Hey, yo, welcome back to This Band Could Be Your Food. I am your host, Nathan Palin, coming to you from Greenpoint, Brooklyn, New York, City, all those things. It's one spot, but, but it's a long line to get from there to here. And I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad you're where you are, but I'm just glad you're listening. These shows have been a lot of fun to make and I hope they've been a lot of fun for you to listen to. I've got my good friend Charlie Schmidt back. You remember Charlie. You've been listening to this show so far. He's the guy who's been on every week. So this is his third week. Him and I together are going to discuss the Go-Go's. Do you like the Go-Go's? I love the Go-Go's. One of those bands that has stood the test of time and they were a lot of fun to figure out what food they were. I tell you what, when I thought the Go-Go's, I was thinking ladies, I thought eggs. That's the starting point. I was thinking eggs. They're good eggs. The Go-Go's are such good eggs. So you're going to have to listen to the rest of the episode to figure out what we're going to do with those eggs. Any hoots, let's get into the show. Stop wasting time. You've got things to do. Let's talk about the Go-Go's. Pfft. kind of one band that uh i've loved since i was a kid which was odd because i don't know if if it's this way for you when you're a boy but when i was a young boy i had an issue with liking girl bands um (laughs) i'm just putting it out there it's not a woke thing (laughs) and uh i've since learned how to be a better person
0: i love hey man i love ladies in rock bangles you know, Lita Ford. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that it's, you know, Joan Jett, obviously. Um, yeah. It takes, you know, especially for the go Go's having come up in the, in the, in the early, it were really the second wave of the LA punk scene probably took a lot of balls. Yeah. To get that together and to do, you know, to, to really have that vision to just want to be together and to write music. I think that that's, yeah, it's more than I can muster at times. So, yeah. yeah.
1: And to do it that well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, hits beyond hits. Yeah. If we could be so bold. And uh, they have a new documentary that we both watched. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. So uh, the lineup is Belinda Carlisle, Charlotte Caffey, Kathy Valentine, Jane Weedlin and Gina Schock, which is probably the coolest name.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially for for a drummer. It's like, you know. Yeah. The, the best name ever.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. You know, they started, I think they started in LA.
0: Yeah. They, stay. yeah, they started in LA, um, you know, and in the documentary, they talk about, you know, sort of taking the car up to Northern California. Is it to see um, Sid Vicious? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he, you know, at the end of the show, it's, they're famously terrible. Yeah. And At the end of the show, he goes, do
1: you feel like you've been cheated? Yeah. <laughs> Walks yeah. off stage. That world famous show. Was that their last show? Why, yes, that was the last show of the classic lineup of the Sex Pistols featuring Sid Vicious. They played in January of 1978 at the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco. So there you go. Game on. That was like the end of their like famed, terrible United States tour. That kind of spelt the end. Yeah, and with that, I think
0: they th- they sort of talk about that. Like I think Belinda Carlisle talks about how that was sort of. The, what they consider to be the the end of the first wave of punk, um, which is interesting because I guess at that point then they they saw a bit of an open door, which is cool. Yeah, you know, like hey, there's room for us to maybe do this thing. Absolutely. So
1: yeah, and they they went in one direction, uh, and then Motley Crue went in another direction. <laughs> Both taking punk and uh, you know turning it into the new the new wave, yeah. as they called it. Right, which was controversial at the time. Like new wave was really like. Lame punk, a lot of people thought. Sure, yeah, sure. Uh, I think even within the ranks, when the Go Go started, they had a bass player who was punk rock. Her name was Margot Olavaria. I mean, that's some pronunciation. There. Yeah, well, I, I was I was in Italy for ten months, so I I know how to say the words properly. <laughs> Hopefully, she's Italian. <laughs> but that is the way that they would say it. They they would roll the r's a little bit more, but that's always been a problem of mine. But they happened to come at the right time for the door that had been shut. They went through the window, and they started their version of punk rock and edited it down to the pop band that they eventually became. And as they were becoming more of a pop band, they had to part ways with Margot. And I I love in the movie when they talk about Margot getting sick for some reason, and then Kathy Valentine, who was at the time a guitar player from mm-hmm. Texas, Mm-hmm and living in LA. She just happened to be in a bathroom when they were mentioning the Go-Go's were in there and they're like, oh, we have to get a bass player. And she was like, I'll do it. No problem. Mm. And so they gave them all their crappy tapes that they had been working on. And then she just like went on a, a drug binge and learned all the songs in like 24 hours. As you do. Yeah. That's one way to do it. And came through on the other side and that was the final piece. She was like the last member of the current lineup of the Go Go's that uh, made the magic that we all know of the Go Go's of today. Nice. Yeah. But anyways, if we take a look at the Go Go's, they're a California band. We have to decide what food they're going to be. So we're gonna we're gonna dissect it. Mm-hmm. They're a California band. They are poppy, but they're also a little bit tart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is uh, on the surface. It's it's very sweet and bubbly, Mm -hmm. but inside there is a lot of you know for them drug use and rock and roll debauchery. It's not quite what it looks like on the outside. In the inside, it's a little bit tart.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, as with all you know stories of of fame and meteoric success, there's uh, there's quite a salty background. I'm sure right? Hmm. There's the, uh, the shock lawsuit. We can, we can get into that a little bit, oh, but you know, there's you no know
1: about the <laughs> I, I wouldn't want you to know about the shock lawsuit.
0: actually, I, you know what? I actually kind of don't, I know that they, they, they fell apart and reformed a couple times. Um, yeah, like a
1: bunch of times.
0: Yeah. Because obviously, you know, when you have that much money and that much success and that much notoriety, I mean, there's stories of them talking about how they couldn't really cross the street. Everybody knew who they were. Yeah. Um, you know, they literally went from playing, you know, small venues like the Troubadour to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. a shock, you know. And when you make it, when you make it big on that level, it's very much like get on the bus and go. Don't talk. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't do that. Just you know, play the show. Do what you do normally. You know, it's totally it's a tremendous amount of pressure. Pressure that I obviously am not speaking from experience, but um, <laughs> having read enough and and seen enough, uh,
1: yeah, yeah and it didn't seem like they dealt with it very well
0: no it 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 seemed like it um you know kind of came on the heels of them having fun and wanting to just be expressive and express anger and sadness and joy and all these things through music and then it kind of just grew into you know kind of s- some
1: kind of monster wink 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 It is a very common story within rock and roll when you have the people in the band that write the songs Mm -hmm. and then the people that just play in the band because later on, eventually, if you're successful, the songwriters will make significantly more money than everybody else in the band. And then the other people in the band, like for instance, in this band, you've got Gina Shock, who, when she started the band, gave them the regimen to do all the work that they did before they would practice maybe once or twice a month and she said no if you're serious about this we've got to be practicing four or five times a day or right. five five times a week so they're practicing all the time and that's when they became the band the wheelhouse you know for the songwriters to create the songs that became what they became and i know that there are bands i feel nirvana was this way even though kurt cobain wrote all the songs the songwriting was still Shared amongst everybody in the band, mm. and that became a problem for Nirvana later on. Uh, Kurt Cobain wanted to claim his rights back because he knew at the you know at the time he said this is just the the fair way to do it. But then you know later on he said, "Well, I'm the songwriter; I should be getting the money." And I think that was part of his downfall as a human. Mm. I mean, I I had heard reports that Nirvana was actually on the heels of breaking up before he killed himself.
0: Uh huh. So I don't know. Allegedly killed
1: himself. Allegedly. But now that's an interesting point. And there are bands that, you know, later on in life, they don't play live anymore. Like the band XTC, they were a band that played live, also from the same era as the Go-Go's. And after their lead guy, Andy Partridge, had a breakdown in France on stage, they decided they weren't going to play live anymore. Mm. And so they might have made one more record with the drummer. And because the drummer didn't write, he wasn't doing enough or making enough money. He, He ended up quitting the band and they... studio drummers um for the rest of the way um and i think for me their sound suffered i mean they changed into like a beatles Beatles beatles-esque band the songwriting was still there but it just didn't feel like a band anymore it felt like it it felt like a company making music pumping it out but it is a volatile situation in the Go Go's. they break they're very tender they have to be treated with care and you never know if it's going to work out right or if it's not and when it's working well it's perfect And so we've deduced the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's food is a lemon meringue pie. So here we go.
0: There it is. I don't know much about... I'm not, a, I'm not a pie guy. I'm not a desserts guy. No? No. Uh, I know in the movie Million Dollar Baby, it's the trainer's uh, favorite pie, uh, Clint Eastwood. He goes anywhere for a good lemon meringue pie. Is that right? Or a key lime pie, rather. Mm. But I guess we'll discuss the difference between key lime and lemon and lime yeah. at another point in time.
1: Yeah. We can get into that.
0: Um. So, you know, what's your... What's your take on, let's do, we could go, you know, obviously there's a lot of material to cover with their music, What's and I don't, I'm not going to ask what's your favorite this or what's your favorite that. You can. But I feel like
1: like we should ask each other that question that we hate.
0: I mean, for me, it's like, it's a lot of nostalgia. You know, I grew grew up on Long Island. Radios were always pumping kind of the same hits. So, you know, we got the beat, Head Over Heels, Our Lips Are Sealed. I mean, these are genius songs. These are just like anthems
1: amazing songs yeah our lips are sealed i think i don't i i haven't deduced why the chord progression is so immediately catchy and satisfying but i'll say that there's two main songwriters even though kathy valentine also wrote but initially off the bat uh charlotte Caffey was actually brought into the group because of her musicality. She was the classically trained piano player who knew what she was doing. So she came in and wrote most of the songs. Um, but Jane, Jane Weedlin, who learned her guitar when she started the Go-Go's in the first place, caught up pretty quickly. And she wrote that gem, Our Lips Are Sealed, after she got a letter in the mail from her lover, Terry Hall, who is the singer of the specials. They met when they were going on tour. They had this terrible tour when they were out in England. They played with Madness in LA, and it was a good pairing, the Go-Go's and Madness. You remember Madness? They did our house in the middle of us. It's Madness. They, the LA folks loved it, because Go-Go's were like the go-to LA band at that time. If you needed an opener, like they, you know, they, they would always fit the bill. Um, but Madness loved him and wanted him to come to England. And so they traveled to England and went on tour with the Specials and Madness. And they thought, oh, this is going to be the, the best tour ever. But the problem is, is Madness and the Specials, two ska bands, brought a lot of skinheads. And the skinheads were not too kind. Whoops. To the Go-Go's. And really? No. Are they, you serious? I know, right? <laughs> who to have thunk? A bunch of right-wing nationalists didn't like the all-girl band that's crazy Mm, good thing that's never going to happen again
0: yeah yeah how music and that got tied together i will never understand
1: skinheads yeah nationalism i feel it's it's all like in hard primarily in hardcore and ska yeah which it's weird with ska because there are two big lines i mean there are the straight edge uh, straight edge and and then the yeah the other side well, that's a bummer. They, The poor Go-Go's were probably like, uh, yeah, should we not play? <laughs> yeah. This was their, to them, like the chance of a lifetime. Yeah. But uh, you got to give it to, to Belinda Carlisle at that time. She really took it. She was up in the front, like getting gobs of spit on her. Like I never, when you look at Belinda Carlisle and you think of, you know, the mad about you, that girl who was, you know, just had all these, you know glamorous videos Mm -hmm. you know she took it as a punk rocker yeah yeah she was she was in the trenches you know going to battle it's amazing that belinda carlock came out of it still bubbly Mm -hmm. though i mean she came out of it with like a 30-year cocaine addiction but whatever those were those times as you do yeah it's tough yeah
0: i mean i also think about the music business back then as really kind of like the wild west I think now and I could be conto- I could be completely wrong, but it feels like there might be a little bit more protection around the artist in terms of legality um, and you know how available you can be for performances and things like that. I think it was back then it was kind of a really like a shady practice. A lot of management, a lot of labels did a lot of really unsavory things to bands, you know, yeah. overextending tours, um lying about dates and accommodations and things like that all sure. to make their nut on it on a band's back sure um and I'm sure the go-gos probably have many a tale of unsavory acts on behalf of the the record label
1: sure yeah you know? I, in in those days I mean this is coming off of the heels of you know the bands in the 60s like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles they were putting out a record like every nine months mm, mm. and the go-gos had a enormous hit with their first record uh that became number one while they were on tour opening for the police and it was funny that uh, you know after a little bit of time all of a sudden the Go Go's were the bigger band opening up for the police mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know so kudos to them and i think they were number one for six weeks which is still to this day a record by an all girl band that wrote all their own songs, there still has not been a band that has been as commercially successful as those guys.
0: that's so, impressive,
1: yeah, all these years, Wow, so, it's pretty awesome,
0: yeah, well, that's an interest- yeah, that's really interesting. um obviously, you know, Stuart Copeland being kind of a idol of mine, great drummer,
1: yeah, and his brother Miles Copeland, was the owner of i r s records, oh. which is the the record label that hired the go-go's yep they were the first label to accept him apparently at that time because there had not been an all-successful all-female band all of the other record labels said well this couldn't work it's never worked before why would it work this time so Mm -hmm. everybody said no to him but then irs records they picked him up they put out that first record and and it went gangbusters
0: Mm. yeah
1: i love how they were so broke on the cover of that album they're all wrapped in these macy's towels mm-hmm. their manager went to buy those towels at macy's and and told him not to get them dirty because at the end of the shoot she brought the towels back to macy's and returned them gotcha so somebody bought those towels some unsuspecting macy's customer you know is <laughs> bought
0: a towels that yeah bought towels that were worn by the gogo yeah
1: on a number one record.
0: You'd need some forensics to uncover that, you know? See if there was a strand of hair or some skin <laughs> cells. You know? Yeah. Take that to the Antiques Roadshow. Oh, man. So, yeah. Um, so, obviously, you know, Beauty and the Beat being their intrepid first installment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, after that, I feel like, you know, hits were trickled out amongst other records. Talk show, Vacation. yeah and you know like i said like being a sort of being a bit of a cultural vortex on long island you really only kind of heard the hits yeah but i always remember i just i love the go-go's through and through it was for me it was like the go-go's and the bangles were the two of my favorite just i can't describe the music other than just it's like working out in the sun and then drinking like a like a uh, like an orange LaCroix or something after you I mean, it's, it's just bright it's bright it's 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 flavorful it's yeah. like it's sprightly like, it's
1: summertime
0: yeah and it's beautiful you know yeah. it's like it's amazing music hooks galore galore yeah I mean that's really you know most of what I could just say about it is that it's just like you know getting into the mechanics of the songwriting and what they end up doing is 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 amazing to discuss but when I feel like we take a step back and look at like the whole painting you're like yeah this yeah. is just such a like wonderful, wonderful
1: thing. Sure, yeah. And they even say later on, after they made that first record, which is the common thing to happen for bands, the first record you have your entire lives to make that first record. And then usually have about nine months to make that second record. Yeah. And that was a problem with the Go-Go's. They were experiencing all this fame and it sort of crippled them. And they admit that they should have took more time to make that second record, but they rushed to it. And so there's kind of just one hit, which is Vacation, which yeah. is was a song that was written by their bass player, Kathy Valentine, years before they actually started the Go-Go's or before mm-hmm. she entered the Go-Go's. Mm -hmm. Um, but that song obviously is still an anthem today from there they went on to make the next one which was talk show charlotte was having a hard time with the uh the heroin ouch yeah she was like this closeted heroin addict and wasn't even telling it to the rest of the band and sort of like had a recipe to sort of keep her stature up while she was being a Mm go-go but in the process she lost her ability to write music so really yeah she was just like rich kind of sitting inside of her house waking up and realizing that she had done all of her drugs from the night before and figuring out how to get some more and then just spending her day doing that she was really reclusive huh yeah yeah that's when jane weedlin Wisconsin native, by the way, was born in, I think, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. No, not Chippewa Falls. That's where Lennon Kugel's beer is from. She was born in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Carry on. She had to take over as the chief songwriter because she was writing all the songs. She was getting all the money. The Beauty and the Beat had been a couple of years. The drummer and everybody else who were not included in that were starting to get upset. And so they said, listen, we're going to, change how we do it from now on it's going to be evenly split and jane said well i just wrote the last record so how about the next record we do it that way because i didn't agree to that when i made this whole record and the band said nope that's how we're going to do it jane said okay well i'm going to finish this tour and then i'm done And so that's what happened they did one tour and then she left the group huh so they carried on for a short time after that but that's when they sort of realized the magic was gone, right? And uh, that was the end of the Gogas At that time, mm. they all left, really despising each other.
0: It's it's just not an uncommon thing in yeah. art uh, to see, you know, other other people roll up in like <laughs> like Porsches and Lamborghinis, and you're you're driving like uh you know like a Chrysler or something. You know, it's like yeah. really sticks in your craw. Sure, For sure, yeah. But yeah, I mean, as with all, as with all art and all all bands, there's always going to be some stipulation with it. The only band I think that seemed to skirt any of this, undoubtedly, is is like Rush. <laughs> Somehow, those guys just from the beginning were like, "This is the way it's going to be: stadium tours, everyone gets paid X amount of money." Yeah, and that seems to just be it, you know. But with that band, everybody contributed. This is very true, and you know, not to get off topic, it's it's a tough thing because I think labels snag young acts, especially back then, uh, because they're just easy to manipulate and control. And obviously, nobody's going to sit down and draw contracts out as a as an 18 or 20 year old kid. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the you know the legal stuff gets funneled upstairs, and uh, you get to rock out. And when that gets old. Sure. You start to go like, well, wait a minute. I, I, I'm not really getting paid for this. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's bitter, but yeah.
1: A lot of the early good guidance that the Gogos had was at the advice of Ginger Canzoneri. Canzoneri, that's her name. And she was there as the band was forming and, and becoming what they were. And so she was breaking her back and making lots of sacrifices for the Go-Go's. I know that she put up a lot of her own money so that the Go-Go's could go on that tour to England in the first place. She was at the crossroads of the Go-Go's after vacation when things started to go south. In one verification, it says that she left and there are other reports that she was let go so that they could hire all of these big-time LA managers to sort of take care of them. Um, And at their own account, they said, Well, if we would have just kept her, we probably would have been better off. Yep. Sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta get rid of that manager. I feel like historically managers make or break a band.
0: They really do. Yeah. They really do. Good management is oh, I mean, you know, you, you think about a band like the Black Keys, you know, a huge part of their success was on the back of their friend. Who really believed in the band? He was their manager. No kidding. Uh, I don't know the gentleman's name, but yeah, I guess I think maybe he was. Uh, he has a law background. He was a lawyer, and uh-huh. he was just really into just wanting to get involved in music and just, you know, manage these guys. Nice. So yeah, no, it's it's now more than ever. It's important to have For good sure. management.
1: Um, yeah. Another famous manager is was U 2s manager, who's been that I think with them the whole time. No kidding. And more or less is just the reason that U two is. The band that we have known, right, from the beginning till now, sure, is because sure. of this guy. Yeah, you know, it's like where do you find a manager? It's easy to be a musician. Sure, you just pick up, you just buy a guitar or yeah. buy a drum set and yeah. figure out how to get around it. Yeah. But like somebody who knows what they're doing in management. Uh, yeah, the know. ins and outs
0: of you know labels and yeah. touring with other bands and yeah. All that, yeah, no, it's it's a good, you know, because you know, obviously you have the booking agent. The booking agent just sets the tour up, and yeah, you knock them down, and but the manager really is is, yeah. is the glue in all facets of the industry. So yeah, it's exactly mm, good manager's like a good plumber. Yeah, you don't want to be without one when nope. the shit goes down. <laughs> so yeah, the uh where on to next.
1: I don't know. I think we might be on to eating some pie. All right, pie time. All right, let's do it. Alright, now Charlie didn't tell me when I made this pie that he has a problem with sugar. But I have to say I have attempted to make Lemon meringue pie many times without success. My meringues just always fall flat. Like I can't, I used to not be able to even get them big. And I don't know why. I mean, I, I feel like I was using the same tool, which is your electric beater, your standard electric beater. But I think what I, the problem was that I didn't use the whisk option. Like to make a meringue, you need a big whisker. Mm. And I have one now. I have one of those, those air gadgets. That's the one you need, yeah, like the KitchenAid? Yeah, you just... With the bowl, the same yeah. bowl, and you lock it in? Yeah, you lock it in, you just throw the eggs in there, a little bit of uh, cream of tartare. Yeah. Uh, for this one, I used five egg whites, and then uh, half a teaspoon of cream of tartare, and then just let it rip for about four minutes. So you did use that machine? I did use that machine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I did mean, that for four minutes, and then I put uh, half a cup of granulated sugar, and a few cracks of salt... And this this meringue became humongous. Yeah, I was really happy. I'm gonna taste it. Yeah, big flavor here, man. You Get the
0: tartness of the lemon and the and the sweetness of the meringue. The two together are like a little. It's funny how it's like almost like a conflicting flavor. In the beginning, with the tart and the and the sweet.
1: Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So this is essentially a homemade pie, except for the crust, because I hate making pie crusts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a hard task. It is. I just, um, there's just a lot of frustration. For me, it's like going golfing, you know? It's a perfectly good way to ruin a walk, mm-hmm. you know, and, and making a pie crust. it's It's impossible to get it for me to get it to stay. It always breaks. And it's just, and then because I know that I've put a broken pie crust on the bottom, it's like, I'm just waiting for like the floor to fall out underneath. (laughs) Right. I just, it's not a good feeling. So I just assume Pillsbury does a fantastic job making a pie crust that you can just go get in the freezer section or the refrigerator section, you know, like the same thing with biscuits. I'll go buy a can of biscuits any day. Have you ever seen someone make biscuits? It takes forever. Who is that kind of time? To make biscuits? Yeah. Um I mean like the kind of biscuit where it's like you you fold it and then you push it down, you fold it again, push it down. So what's it's it's more work than it's worth if you ask me.
0: Well, yeah, we we live in a modern day. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, you can write songs using uh garage band loops or you could use instant pie <laughs> instant pie crusts or uh, or yeah. I mean, all the same, kudos. I was going to say kudos on your pie crust. Hey, thank you. You didn't yeah. have to tell me it was fake. Yeah, you could have been like, "Yeah, man, I labored over that. It's like the sixth, it's like the sixth or seventh one I made." I should have said that. <laughs> but you're you're honest. You got a good heart. Yeah. You see, I can eat a small piece like that and appreciate every flavor pro context. Sure. In profile and just absolutely enjoy it. And it's not the beauty of it is is it's not about getting full. Yeah. and it's not about like overindulging it's about like appreciating like just like the like I said the flavor profile of it it's awesome that was a very good
1: pie thank you i'm I'm very happy with it and I think this is I've as I said I've tried to make this pie before this is the first time I've gone homemade in that the filling was homemade I think in the past maybe I've bought in some like jello substitute oh yeah they make thing. like a canned filler I know for yeah yeah for key lime pie. For sure. They make an
0: instant filler, yeah.
1: Yes. I think they did the same with this, but this time I went completely homemade. And I guess the way the way to make it is you have you start with water, you add starch. Uh the recipe I said I saw asked for a third cup of cornstarch, which I didn't have. I have potato starch. Mm. So I used potato starch and I thought that they balance out one-to-one like you can use the same amount of either but this got really super thick really quickly so i I, i'm a little second guessing maybe maybe i put too much not enough water Mm. i don't know but it all seemed to work out uh you do that a cup of sugar a half cup of lemon juice and i got my lemon juice by squeezing some lemons instead of buying a, a can of lemon juice so um that um some salt And I think that's it. You just mix it in. You boil it for about six minutes. After it uh, starts to thicken up and start to boil, you take a couple of teaspoons of that mixture and you put it in your pre-separated egg yolks. Uh, You're going to need five egg yolks for your pie. You're going to need five egg whites for your meringue. So you separate those early on so they become room temperature. You want to work with room temperature eggs. Room temperature eggs. Maybe this is the problem the whole time. I didn't realize later in life that you're supposed to work with room temperature eggs. Um, But a room temperature white will meringue better. It'll fluff up
0: better. Yeah, that's a big thing on the Great British Baking Show. They talk about that. If you use cold eggs, it um, it just doesn't like uh, emulsify properly. I guess you could say the fat doesn't doesn't you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the, The fat and the sugar don't mix. Yeah enough yeah exactly so all
1: right well there you go so there you
0: go there's the answer to your your inquiry
1: so you have your egg yolks on the side and what you do is you spoon some of that hot liquid into the yolks while you are stirring them you're essentially emulsifying them at that point but you don't want to cook the egg so when you're eventually you're going to be adding that yolk into the pot with the rest of everything but right now you're just sort of introducing this new temperature very slowly into the egg yolks and then as soon as you put a couple of spoonfuls in then you take that bowl and then you pour it back into your at this point um slowly low fire cooking base i don't know what you call that part but the part with uh, the 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 lemons and and uh, all of that liquid that's that's on your oven. You pour that in very slowly while you whisk very quickly because you don't you don't want those things to separate. You want them to become one cohesive unit. And that actually gives it the color, mm. like the yellow color. Before that, you're just looking at a liquid that is uh, that is clear, clear? kind of cloudy, mm. kind of gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you add the yolks in, and then it becomes this beautiful yellow color. Huh. And it's kind of funny. You never think about that. Like to me, it's like lemon. That's why it's yellow. But it's not. It's the yolks.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought it was like lemon. Obviously, yeah. lemon meringue. Sure. sure. <laughs> yes. That's why it would be yellow. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny.
1: And so then this makes me think about the key line pie because, you know, us grown up in the world where soda pop is f- like fluorescent orange or fluorescent purple for you know your your orange and your grape flavor mm-hmm. kool-aids are sort of things you just associate these very unnatural colors to go with flavors good point which is unnatural so like if you think of a key lime pie i remember getting some that were yellow and being like what's the deal with this yeah you know it's like isn't a key lime pie supposed to be like turquoise right so it's not so if you get it if you get a turquoise key lime pie you are being uh stuffed with some really weird coloring
0: yeah, food coloring is a huge part of baking. In you know, when you when you talk about you know cakes, pies, cookies, for sure, whatever you know, um, uh, it, it's it's amazing to think that so much of what we think of as as yeah, actually food that looks of a certain nature, but it's actually just food coloring. It's
1: yeah. Kinda funny. Hey, side note, uh, Charlotte Caffey, the uh, the songwriter, guitar player, uh, her father. Uh, directed Chips and Dukes of Hazard. Now, so there you go.
0: There, there, <laughs> tidbit. There is, there are <laughs> two very old shows hanging out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. That
1: is some eighty stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, I think she's the only one that has like some major ties, except for Kathy Valentine, who's from Texas, mm. and she was like hanging out with like the fabulous Thunderbirds. And like you know, so Jimmy Vaughn and Stevie Ray Vaughn. It seemed like her and Jimmy Vaughn were tight. Okay. Before she moved out to California and met the Go Go's, uh huh. And she actually also had an early guitar lesson from Eric Johnson. Whoa! The guitar player, Eric Johnson. Yeah. Like the the famous guitar player, like the shred- shredder.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, the guy. Yeah, Cliffs that of guy. Dover. That whole nine yard. Yeah, I mean yeah. Eric, Eric. I don't know Johnson. any of his songs. You don't know any <laughs> I
1: don't know any Eric Johnson. Songs. He was
0: one of the Yeah, I mean he's obviously one of these like really iconic guitar players. Very interesting. That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. And I, I heard like later in life uh Eric Johnson in an interview said, "Yeah, I once gave a a, a guitar lesson to Kathy Valentine." Cuz Kathy Valentine sort of was like, "Oh my god, she he even remembered who I was?" That's great. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So, those are my weird tidbits about the Go-Go's that I know. That's, yeah, that's really, (laughs) that's really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So I think they're, they're waiting to go back on the road. They're going to go back out. They're going to be accepting their rock and roll hall of fame award. I wonder if they're going to do it live this year.
0: Probably. Probably. Yeah. A lot of stuff is coming back. Yeah. Uh, Now here's an interesting question. Obviously their, their art has stood the test of time. I wonder if reunions are more likely when bands are older, because obviously differences are easy to settle when you get older, you have less of an ego, but then also I think you could just sort of sit down and just look at the numbers and be like, this is what we're going to generate if we go on the road again. Yeah. And I think that's a really nice feeling. (laughs) Even, even bands I'm noticing bands, like you were saying after nine 11, there were lots of reunions, even like, you know, with the pandemic, I've noticed even like a lot of smaller scene bands just getting back together and touring. Um, Maybe obviously not for the money, but for, you know, just to be able to, you know, playing shows is cathartic. So, and you do miss it. It's one of those things where it's like, if you have just like a, you know, a surfboard you love to use, you're never going to turn your back on it forever. You're going to get back on it at some point. So I think that there's just a, the idea there that they probably just were like, let's just sell our differences because playing is fun. Yep. Rock and roll is always rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And there, there's really not a lot of it left today. So yeah. yeah, it seems like they just, you know, let's just get back on that horse and just do it and give the people what they want. It comes, I think it comes full circle where the fans want it back. Yeah. Let's do it. Right. For sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, and they say when they, when they go out there, they're looking at grandmothers, mothers, children. This music is timeless. Yeah. You know, you play that record, anybody loves it. My son loves it. He's sure. four and a half. And he thinks the music is great. And you know, look at what look at what is
0: around today. Like I don't know if you heard the Linda Linda's record, which is kind of like blowing up a little bit now. Um, no, I haven't heard them. They're an all girl punk band out of LA. Nice. And they're I mean, to my knowledge, I think they're around 10 or 11 or 12 years old. Oh, wow. Huge Go-Go's influence. Awesome. Massive Go-Go's influence. How, we have how them are you not? today yeah. because of the Go-Go's.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, for there's, sure. There's they, the they, preset. They, there's a template set. Yeah. Um, and I'm sad. We should have talked more about like where, you know, when you talk about influences, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the very difficult. Uh, the very hard path that had to be created for them to you know, be an all-girl band. I mean, they're, the all-girl bands before them were like the Supremes mm-hmm. or like, you know, uh, and nobody wrote, you know, somebody else was writing the music behind that. Um, but not until like, I mean, I want to say the Runaways, but I know there's another band before the Runaways and I can't think of what they're called right now. They're called Fanny, the 1970s all-girl rock band Fanny. Who are awesome before the runways? Check them out. But it's it's rock music. It's two sisters. I feel like maybe they um, have some Native American background. Uh, actually, Filipino, Filipino, um, in them. So mm. I don't know. I'm sure somebody put put something in the comments, the comment section, and let me know which band I'm trying to talk about. Fanny. Um. All right. Well, I think we've covered the Go Go's. I think we have too. I think we've covered Lemon Meringue Pies. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah. So we got to figure out which band we're gonna do next week, and I like this theme. We've done the Go Go's; they've just been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we're going to take a pass at the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Who else is in now? Recent inductees? Yes, this year. I know Tina Turner's in. Tina Turner. But Breezy, Z, the Go Go's, Carol King, Todd Rundgren.
0: Todd Rundgren. Rundgren. Rundgren, Um, should we do
1: Todd Rundgren?
0: I don't know anything about him, Uh, but maybe I know more than I think I do.
1: There is a wealth of interesting things about Todd Rundgren. Yeah, I uh, my band did a wedding upstate at this place that does weddings, but they also do these workshops where they bring in like famous musicians, and they offer a limited amount of tickets for for big fans that sort of want to have these workshops Uh, like Medisky Martin Wood does one dinosaur Uh junior does one. Uh, And and so when I was there, I was talking to the bartender. I said, who is the most difficult musician you guys have had to deal with? And he said, Todd Rundgren by a long shot. Oh my God. (laughs) So (laughs) let's do ourselves a favor for the next week and read up about Todd Rundgren. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. He's got his hands on a lot of stuff. And I'm always finding out about a new record that he produced. He produced so much good stuff. Mm. XTC, he did Bad Out of Hell, the first one. Yeah. He did, uh, I want to say, maybe some cheap trick records. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're going to look it up. It's going to be a lot of fun. So tune in next week, everybody. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Coming to the podcast. So nice of you to join us. That was a lot of fun, right? Thanks again to Charlie Schmidt for doing three episodes in a row with me. What a guy, what a buddy. Love that dude. Now, next week, I got another dude I love. Tommy DeVito is going to sit in with me. Tommy DeVito is a drummer in another band that I was in, the Jupiter Deluxe. Also plays all around town with Bubble and a bunch of other hometown New York City bands. He's been telling me to get into Todd Rundgren forever. So, now I'm giving him that opportunity the interlude music you heard this week is from a band called the Snarkouts on the B-side of a 7-inch that we both put together out in 1996 you can't get it anymore they were the Snarkouts my Scott punk band was Gargamel it's out of print you can't find it but if you ask real nice maybe I'll give you a copy if you want to try the food out head over to the website thisbandcouldbeyourfood.com I'm putting all the recipes up the week after we drop the episode so if you want something to cook go there Oh, by the way, if you like the podcast, do me a favor. Go to one of those places where you can rate it and put a comment or something like that. We need people like you to tell other people who are like you about our podcast. So do us all a favor. Get the word out. Until then, I've been your host, Nathan Palin. We're going to see you next week, all right? Todd Rundgren, Tommy DeVito, myself, and a delicious dish. Until then, cook on a rock out. Ciao, ciao.